everyone, and welcome back to Book Talk. I'm Kathy Logan, and today I'll be interviewing award-winning author Grace Blair, one of the authors of the YA time traveler adventure, Einstein's Compass. We will discuss book details, Grace's writing process, and the future of her exciting book series. Let's get into it. So for the first question I have for you is, why did you choose Albert Einstein as your titular character in your time traveling story? Albert Einstein has always been uh, an interesting character for me, an interesting person who looks like he's been famous most of his life, but he hasn't. And if you read his biography, which is what I, how, what I learned, is that young Albert Einstein was just a young Jewish boy in a Catholic school who had so many struggles, but he had a dream. And I think right now we are looking to have to be inspired by people like Albert to dream and to have something that keeps us in, involved and passionate about our lives. So young Albert Einstein was, was struggling um, with his genius of wanting to know what is time, what is light, teach me. And he had no one to teach him. I know for myself, I had no one to teach me. And there's a lot of people who are smart and want to engage and do things in life, but there's no one to help them. And no one helped him either. And they were aggressively against him most of his life. But he never gave up. Where did it come from? So I had to think, you know, Maybe he came from Atlantis. And I, I began to dream, my dream, of what Albert Einstein was all about, where he got his theories, and how he thought deep inside his consciousness, inside who he was. I did a lot of research on his, his history in terms of his early life and his family, um, who was involved in his family and how he struggled and who helped him and who didn't help him. But then I said, I still have this thing in my mind. Where did it come from? And I thought he has to be from Atlantis, that high technology spiritual place where people knew how energy worked. And he was trying to remember what he did back then. Gotcha. That's that's a re- that's a really cool um, and interesting way of looking at Einstein because like yeah because it, it does make the question like how did he create such like like how was he able to create such like an advanced theory and like his time I like how you like took it well what if we added this element <laughs> to um, his history so wow that's that's really that's a really good twist on history but I want to ask you because you did say that you did a lot of research into his biography like his family his relationships now i'm just wondering like what was your writing process in try in like in you know writing for a young albert einstein like how did you go about like you know like em- emulating his like personality his morals like how did you go about um emulating that i what i discovered was albert was shy he was really an introverted boy and he was very sensitive he loved music he loved being around his family. His mother was the closest to him. And so when he was out there in the world, it kind of overwhelmed him. 
And he didn't know what to do with a lot of this outside uh, influence because he was so focused on reading and studying himself. He was given the 12 books that he would later be given in high school and in college to learn. He got them when he was 12 years old and he mastered, mastered those books. He mastered the uh, Pythagorean theorem on his own. So he was very much into his mind, into his genius as a young boy. And being out here with normal people, he just didn't know what to do or how to relate. And it became a struggle for him in communications of how do I get heard? How do I get my needs met? And so there was a lot of um, back and forth with his teachers and, and people who didn't understand him. And I think there's a lot of that in schools today where we have uh, intelligent kids who are managed to memorize books on rote and they're not really listened to in terms of their creativity. So he was trying to learn something new, but they were trying to force him into memorizing books and it made him crazy. I, I want to know my time and light. Don't make me memorize this stuff. I already know it. Right. You know, I know all this. Show me something new. Mm -hmm. Don't make me stick to the status quo. Like, and I and I think there's a lot of that with with smart kids today. It, they're they're being made to to read books, uh, and especially during the reading process in English, books that are 50 years old. Why not read books that are more current? That are more, and what the kids want to read today? Harry Potter, my book, Einstein's Compass, that that are relevant to today's kids. Why make them yeah. read all these old authors that are dead and we can't talk to them? Talk to them? Nope. <laughs> we can't write them letters, can't like really interact with them. They're like, oh, hey, I loved your book. <laughs> no, I <laughs> I completely agree with that because um, speaking of which, I know, well, this is a bit separate, um, a little off topic, but I know like some elementary schools are um, campaigning to make the Hunger Games uh, required uh, reading for the curriculum because yes it is a fairly recent book but it's a really good book so it is and if we, if you could talk to the author yes you, could you know that's important yeah. I think and that's the connection today that a lot of readers want they want their connection mm -hmm. to the author they can talk to them on Facebook and Twitter and they can get their questions answered and those those are the questions today that kids need answered for their own creativity mm-hmm yeah, that's like that. I totally agree with that. And that's like definitely like an interesting take on like the, um, so I know there's been like a lot of debates about like, you know, like updating like books for schools. And I feel like that's like a definitely good um, side to like you actually have authors, you actually have authors to, um, to, you know, like communicate with, to contact with. But uh, I wanted to take it back to story to um, young Albert Einstein. And I know in your story, obviously, story has time traveling and uh, without getting into spoilers I was just wondering like what are um, the different time periods or places that were your favorite to write about and research um, to like put into your story I loved this the time period that he lived in um, the Edwardian period and Germany at that time was was flourishing in its culture and I liked all the all the places that I wrote in the book are real. The actual historical places in Germany are real. So I love doing the research on that time period and 
how the women dressed and and the men wore top hats and how they talked to each other, Herr Einstein and it, all this, you know, formal talk. And then I liked um, the time period in Atlantis. And I did a lot of research on what I thought Atlantis was. I went to Plato and his story on Atlantis um, and discovered a lot of what Atlantis was about in the technology times and flying cars and how they communicated and the crystals, how powerful the crystals were, um, the Andera crystals. Um, and I put that Ooh, a lot. Pretty, very pretty. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing the Andera crystal that's actually in the next book, which is Poseidon's Adventure. And it's the backstory of Einstein's compass. That's coming next, where I really oh, get excited. Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my editor wanted to know more about Atlantis. So I'm, that's the next story is Poseidon's Adventure. And, and doing the research on Atlantis was really cool. Um, and then the, the uh, Shamir stone that's in the compass is very powerful. And actually, it's in the Bible. And Solomon used it to build his temple. You, the power in the Ark of the Covenant that you see in Indiana, Indiana Jones, mm -hmm. that was the Shamir stone. Really? Yeah. That's and okay. it also went back to Atlantis. And um, the Atlanteans built the pyramids in Egypt using the Shamir stone. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's, a, that's a really good connection. I like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and putting all these pieces together in story was was just thrilling. Definitely. I can totally agree with that because I feel like with any like time traveling story, it's just like it's definitely like a good opportunity for like you for like any author to just like, OK, what time period did I want this uh, my character to travel in? OK, by God, make sure this time period is very accurate. <laughs> make yeah, sure so it's, it's true back. to the history. Yeah. You have to make sure the history of what your what the character is about is is uh, accurate. And mm -hmm. that way that way your story is more believable to me. Setting is the most important part of the story. I, I write in layers and I start with story. Then I start with the characters and who and develop them according to the, the setting. And I learned this from Ken Follett. If you read any of Ken Follett's books, mm -hmm. like Pillars of the Earth, you'll see that he has the background of the setting of history. And then he puts the characters in their history and then how they relate to the time period. And okay. then you, you know, it's done in layers. Gotcha. Oh, that's what, yeah. I like that. Like making it like layered like that. Okay. And like, I was going to ask, speaking of, story i know in your in like the book description it says one of the obstacles that einstein faces is a shape-shifting dragon and without getting into, into any spoilers like can you tell us more about um who this dragon is and if they're like are they like the main antagonist of the story or is, or is it just one like the many obstacles that um he faces it starts with twins in atlantis okay um Albert's soul is actually from uh, a, a pre-scientist who lives in Atlantis called Arca. Okay. And so Arca has a twin brother. And in Atlantis, there were a lot of twins. They, they just multiplied that way for some reason. Okay. <laughs> so 
Yeah, Arca was one of the main pre-scientists in, in Atlantis. And his twin brother, Raka, um, well, he was lazy and a narcissist. And he wanted everything his brother had, but he didn't want to work for it. And so um, as we go along in the story, he wants the ultimate power, which is the crystals, so he can rule the world. And so he goes to the dark side. And which I won't tell you how he becomes the dragon. Okay. Yeah. But after he does become the dragon, he becomes four or five different characters, bad bad characters in the story. Okay. He he morphs okay. into them through a process which I won't tell you. Right. But that's spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and you can actually and I I, I describe how he, from the dragon, he becomes a person. Yeah, there's a real long description of how he becomes this um, magnetic, manipulative sociopath that can can get anything he wants just by being uh, with this magnetic personality. Okay, that's just one of the many characters that he morphs into Mm -hmm. that Albert doesn't know He's being manipulated. He thinks he's a nice guy that's that's there to help him. Yeah. And in fact, he wants his compass. And right. so he's he he and but he can't touch it personally. So he's and he's also lazy. So he doesn't want to go after it himself. So he mm-hmm. he gets other people. Uh, we have um, Wilhelm von Wiesel and the Countess, who are also dark characters in the story. Mm-hmm. That partner with with uh the the dragon uh what we call Raka his name is Raka Raka and with Raka and Von Wiesel and the the countess they try to manipulate the compass from Albert and Albert doesn't know he doesn't have any idea what's going on around him he's yeah. totally in the dark gotcha so mm-hmm. yeah that's I like that. That's I, that is very that's a very interesting um way to write an antagonist for like he's a bit of a bum, but he's still like gonna like you know he's <laughs> very he's, smart. He's, yeah, very he's smart. Manipulative. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to be manipulative if you if you're like lazy, you just want other people to do <laughs> to do your yeah, dirty exactly. work. So <laughs> makes sense. But uh, I was just wondering. So was uh was there any like other like time traveling stories movies or like or any like other piece of media that involved time traveling that may have like inspired um you know like this story or at least like some bits of the story well harry i wrote this for the harry potter audience mm-hmm. um harry potter was this young boy who had a magical wand mm-hmm. okay albert has a magical compass Gotcha. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And there are similarities uh, in terms of the the dark people who want to uh, attack Harry, similar to Albert. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's somewhat similar. Um, Harry Potter had magic and, and dark things and flying things all around him. Albert has um, the light and angels and high beings of uh, mystical travelers who help him through his journey to battle the darkness. So gotcha. we do have a comparison and I wrote it for the Harry Potter audience really. 
and for families who want to uh, join in together and learn about Albert and some of the heroes that Albert liked um, that was that were really important to him. They're in the story as well. Definitely. I okay, yeah, because I think that would definitely reach the um the Harry Potter crowd. Cause I feel like when you have magic and you have, you know, a young young boy or young girl just like uh in like interacting with that magic and then having to deal with like both it definitely becomes like like a fantastical adventure that like anyone yeah. in that crowd would want to read. I like that. Um and I was just wondering. So what was the collaboration like for you and the other author of this book? Uh, and let me know if I'm saying the first name, but uh, Laren Bright. Uh, what yes, was the collaboration? Laren has been a friend of mine for many, many years. And he is a professional writer who helps um, authors develop their, their stories and books. And I just started writing this book. Um, it just it was a time for me to do this. It was time for me to write. And I started writing chapters and sending them out to my friends. And Laren would answer me back. Oh, this is fun. You know, I'll do this or do that. You know, you might want to think about that. And we went back and forth on this for several times that I was writing chapters. And I had no idea how to write a novel. Okay. I'd never done this before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So he said to me, um, you know, I'd really like to help you with this book. And I go, okay, um, let's do this. So Get I on board. <laughs> yeah. And he was really in um, publishing and, and writing and had a lot of jobs going. And in the, between then, he would help me. I would send him some information or send him a story. And he would um, say, let's do this, let's do that. And, uh, you know, it was a collaboration. It went on for four years. Yeah, it, this was a long project. <laughs> I I mean, I yeah. bet. Like, writing novels yeah. is no and, easy job. <laughs> yeah, and I was learning how to write fiction. Um, and I was researching and doing all the character development. And we just went along like this. We just were very flexible and collaborative and went. And our intention was the spirit of the story. Neither one of us got attached to our egos or what we you know, my way, this, this can't work, you know, that's always good. That's always good. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were really in the spirit of the story. Okay. Yeah. And that's what made it work. Definitely. Yeah. I I feel like if there's no butting of heads and everything, then like you really got like a a perfect collaboration, but uh, I was just curious though. Um, why, um, why make your uh, why make like the primary magical object or like the primary time traveling device? Like why make it a compass for Einstein? Like I was wondering that. The reason why I made it the compass is because Albert's father in his real life gave him a compass when he was a little boy. Okay. And Albert, when he got this little compass, he was like five or six years old and it kind of filled his whole hand. He's a little boy with this this brass compass with 12 different gems on it, which were powerful gems. Mm-hmm. And inside was the Shamir stone. And so Albert looked at this compass. Um, and actually the compass his father gave him was just a compass. Okay. I made it supernatural, but his dad gave him this compass. And mm-hmm. when he looked at it, when little boy looked at it, he said, uh, he turned it around and he always noticed that the 
the pointer always pointed north. No matter how we turned the compass around and bent it and up, upside down and whatever, the, the needle always pointed north. And he said, I'm going to figure out why it does that. And that was his inspiration to know what is time and what is light. That's a really cool connection. And he carried this compass with him all his life. This was his, with between that and the algebra book, mm-hmm. the algebra book was his Bible. He carried those two things with him throughout his life. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I made the compass part of the story because of how it inspired him. And so I made it supernatural mm-hmm. to take us into dimensions of light. That I really like that. That's really cool. Like, like making the object that meant to him, like that was special to Einstein in real life and, and still making it special, but even more special. Yeah. <laughs> taking it to a new dimension. Yeah. yeah. I, wow. I really, I really like how you keep like connecting, like using the real hist- historical and then just like bringing it into your book and like, oh, I really like that. <laughs> um, but I was, so I want to turn um, from the book to because I always ask I always like to ask my authors this um towards the end of inner towards the end towards the end of our um, interviews and I was just wondering um what are some of your favorite authors or books uh well in science fiction fantasy I like uh the chronicles of St. Mary's Jodie Taylor I don't know if you've ever heard of her she's out of London she has a number of series of the science fiction, fantasy, historical fiction. Uh, I like her series. Um, I also like, um, like I said, Ken Follett. I I love his historical fiction. And uh, Bradbury, um, you know, he was probably one of the best science fiction writers ever. Uh, So he's one of my favorites that I go to, especially if I'm lost and I don't know what I should do next, I read him. It's like feeding my soul the way Bradbury writes. He's he's just, it's like poetry for me. So some of the, those are the, some of the writers I really, uh, really like. And Susanna Kearsley. I don't know if you know Susanna Kearsley. She's um, a writer. I think she's Scottish. And, and I like a lot of the Scottish uh, historical fiction that she writes about. Good. Yeah. Those. Yeah. Thank you for those recommendations. Yeah. Those. Yeah. Those all sound like really interesting books. And who um, can you give me a name of the book for the um, last half you mentioned, the Scottish one? Like what? what's uh, one of her books that she's written? The I'm sorry, which one? Oh, the, uh, just like the last one you mentioned. The um, Susanna Kearsley. Yes. Yeah, Susanna Kearsley. Yeah. Susanna, yeah, Susanna Kearsley. She's um, actually, I can't think of the name of the book off the top of my head, Donna, <laughs> but you'll you'll find it. She's she's very popular. K e a r s l e y. Susanna Kearsley. She's a historical fiction writer and writes a lot about Scottish his, history. And if you want to know more about Einstein's Compass, go to Einstein'sCompassBook.com. Also, you can friend me on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Grace the Mystic, uh, at on, on Twitter and also on Facebook. 
Um, and I would love to hear from anyone who write, wants to read the book, uh, connect with me as an author. I would love to give new authors a tips because I do help new authors as they're getting launched. I've helped them from a struggling writer to become an award-winning author like me. And Einstein's Compass has won 10 book awards. Amazing. Yeah, during the time of yeah. COVID, that's what I did. I went out and got book awards. <laughs> that's a good that's a good way to spend your time. Yeah. <laughs> Very, but I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind, uh, would you mind just like sharing um a tip or two for any aspiring uh authors listening to this podcast right now? I'd say do your book um from the passion that you have in your heart. If you don't have passion for it, forget it because it's just gonna be too hard. You have to have passion for the story to get through all the obstacles of how you're going to write the setting and the characters and how they're going to work together. And then the second thing is uh, find a community where you can connect with other authors, where you can be, where you feel supported and they can give you feedback. Um, so those two things and just keep, keep writing. You just have to keep doing it to get better. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much again for writing your time for this interview. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Kathy. I've had a great time. for listening. That was Grace Blair, and her book Einstein's Compass is currently available on Amazon. Be sure to check out Book Talk's other author interviews, which are available on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts.